On this episode of View the Right Thing, we ask you to remember the three rules. Never get them wet, never expose them to light, and never, ever feed them after midnight. These rules not only apply to Wes and Steve, but to the creatures in the namesake of their first feature discussion, gremlins. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. Billy, what are these things? Where did they come from? But in a few hours, you're going to have a major disaster on your hands. Then the boys pack their bags and head to Finland to find out the dark truth behind the story of Santa Claus in the cult hit Rare Exports. We have Santa Claus. Santa is going to find out who's naughty or nice. But first, there are two viewsters we need to shout out to. They'll know who they are. We wanted to let you know we've got a lot of love for you. You are two of the nicest people we've come to know. And while nothing we can say in a podcast can heal this wound, know that we hurt for you and are thinking about you. Thank you for being such great human beings. And now, the second special holiday edition of View the Right Thing. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back to another episode of Indiana Jaws. Never, ever, ever going to stop. You did it on the last episode. I did. Remember, I sang. Oh, that's right. I sang it. Well, at least you didn't sing it this time, so there's that. I'm just kidding. You can sing whenever you want, buddy. Chestnuts roasting on an Indiana Jaws. Oh, yeah, an open shark's maw. Great whites nipping at your toes. (laughs) Great. Uh, So it's only been a week. Yeah. And uh, a short week. Yeah, really, really, really. If only you you, knew. I feel like not only. Has this month gone by fast? This whole year's gone by fast. Well, it's because we've been having so much fun on View the Right Thing. That's true. That part's true. Well. We should celebrate. I don't suppose you've seen anything new in the theater since the last time we spoke. Uh, since Krampus? No. Me neither. But, um, yeah. um we are recording this before... The Force Awakens comes out. Oh my out. gosh, what was that? Uh, I think Desi just sneezed in the other Oh, room. sounded like a, a startle. Yeah, no, it was a sneeze. Okay, um, good bless you. <clears throat> so we're seeing, we're recording this before Force Awakens. Oh, that's right. But it will release after Force Awakens. So happy Star Wars weekend, everybody. Happy Star Wars weekend, hope indeed. it was great for everyone. Hope you're ready for the holidays. And, yeah. And uh, hope you enjoy this uh, fun episode. Should we make up a few spoilers about Star Wars real quick? Only if we can make sure that they're made up spoilers. Like, oh man, I can't believe Finn was the actually a ghost. From Adventure Time. From, from Adventure Time. From Adventure Time. I can't believe C-3PO fell in love with the Sarlacc. The Sarlacc, oh man. Oh, what about the scene where uh, that girl with the big bow staff uh rips her face off and she's jar jar that was pretty crazy uh do you uh did, what did you think uh about the moment well, yeah, yeah. when lando calrissian yeah touched no the butt no of a tauntaun no. oh, oh oh um I thought, you know, Calrissian, it almost rhymes with veterinarian. Yeah. So he's clearly the right like, guy for the job. 
Yeah, that tauntaun noise. I love it. It makes me want a tauntaun. Aww. Much rather have a tauntaun than Walt. <gasps> oh, I'm just Look at his ears. Look how his ears he pricked up. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, yeah. So, we saw Star Wars. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I guess we could just jump into a, the movies that were, yeah, let's do it, man. Um, discussing. Oh, uh, also, all the boosters have, they know what movies we're about to talk I about. I just remembered we should say, um, thank you to a different Finn. Oh yeah. Jared Finn. Jared Finn. Thank you for having us on your, uh, your YouTube web series. It's the second time I've been on there. It was, it was my first. first time, but we had a lot of fun talking about holiday movies. And I were... popped my Jerry. Ah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> Steve's making a pretty uncomfortable face right now. Stop it. Stop it. I can't look at you when you're doing that. So oh, you won't stop. It's like the world's worst poker face. It's like a grimace, but kind of happy. It's like a happy grimace. I don't. Stop it. He's opening his mouth slowly. Oh, I'll stop. Turned into uh, sleepaway camp at the end there. Cool. So uh, thank you to Jared Finn for having us on your show. We had a lot of fun. We'd love to do it again. Um, it's a fun time. Yeah, I had a good time. Sorry that we made it so long, but that's just how we roll at View the Right Thing. We've, we're a couple of guys with a lot on our minds. Yep. And a couple of guys with a lot on our minds. Yep. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Should we talk about which one? Should we talk about first? Uh, let's talk about Gremlins. Yeah. Gremlins is a thing that somebody's paying you to sing. Yeah, I just I just come in and I sing that piece of the Gremlins song just like that for three hours of time. Now do the Mogwai song. Mogwai song is a... Uh, oh, dang it. I lost the melody of it. Uh, right? Yeah, if you... If so, you but he goes... Not the same. Oh, see, you're upsetting Walt. Don't upset Walt. Walt's trying to sing, too. He's and pretty, he he sounded close. pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty close. I think something was in the hall. Uh, I don't think so. I Walt knows to expect a bunch of weird sounds out of I, me. Um, so I'll, I'll give a little factoid about that song. Yeah. We were just talking about it. Um, now, Howie Mandel yeah. did uh, Gizmo's voice. Cool. Uh, but he did not do Gizmo's singing. Oh, really? Uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith. We'll, we'll come back to him a little bit later. All right. Um hired a girl in his temple okay as i understand it uh to perform that pretty cool yeah just some girl just to do that little like that little trilly humming kind of thing yeah it's pretty nice huh wow all right so gremlins gremlins the term gremlin do you know where that comes from well i mean i know it was around long before the movie yeah um, they talk about how in World decades, War II, three, uh, they said that gremlins were little creatures that would uh, sneak into the planes and the tanks mm-hmm. and what have you and, and mess with stuff. Yeah, so whenever they had a prob- the pilots had a problem in World War II, they would always blame it on gremlins. Yeah. Um, gremlins. This movie was a Warner Brothers film. Cool. There was a Bugs Bunny cartoon yeah. called Falling Hair. 
Oh yeah, where he does battle with the gremlin. And yeah, it's I remember World War the two thing. And he's reading the book about the gremlins, and he, and he sees one. I remember that guy, the it's, little Warner Brothers gremlin. Yeah, there's a pretty great moment in the cartoon when uh, he first sees the gremlin. It's got a mallet, and it's banging on the end of a missile. Oh, and Bugs is like, eh, "What's up, Doc?" And then <laughs> the gremlin's like. If you hit it just right, it will explode or something like that. Oh, no. And he's like, yeah, let me try. And so he takes the mallet, and he, like, takes this biggest wind-up where he spins and twists his body all the way around. And then he spins back, and right before he hits it, he stops, and he looks at the camera, and he screams, What am I doing? <laughs> it's pretty great. Good old Bugs. Yeah. And that so was he, great. Uh, he, he gets all exasperated. But he with that gremlin. manages to not blow up the bomb, at least, Correct. right? Thank you, Bugs. Thank you, Bugs. So this movie was written by Home Alone director Chris Columbus. Cool, and directed by Joe Dante of the Interspace Burbs. Oh, yeah, the Burbs. Interspace, like you said, the matinee, howling. the howling. Uh, he did a great my, uh, one of my favorite uh, Twilight Zone the movie segments. Which one? Well, we'll get there because that's going to come up right. in, in, in an interesting way. He's also got a new movie on Netflix right now. What's it called? Burying the X with Anton Yelchin oh, was that? and Alexandra Daddario or Daddario. I don't know. I guess Daddario sounds more Italian. She's going to do that. Alexandra. To San Andreas. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll 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 be there opening day if Alexandra Daddario's in it. Um, so he wrote this supposedly in college. All right. And it got passed around Hollywood, and it was sort of viewed as uh, not really doable. Hmm. Apparently, the film or the story. Is incredibly horrific. Really? More so than it already is. Wow. Oh, you're saying actually horrifying and terrifying. Oh, Not yes. just like horrifically bad. Oh. You're talking about... Very dark. Wow. So we'll, I'll get to some of those uh, changes as they would happen in the, the story when we get there. That's cool. Um, it was sort of deemed unproducible. Really? Point. Yeah. Spielberg got his hands on it. All right. And he was like... I think we could do this on a low budget. Nice. Uh, I believe the term was produce it on the cheap. Fair enough. Eventually, however, everyone realized how difficult it would be because they needed like all these special effects puppets and stuff. Yeah. So uh, a lot of them cost about $11 million to make, which is actually still pretty low, but not on the cheap. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about this was made, what, uh, roughly six-ish years after Star Wars? Sure. So, Star Wars was what, like $10 million? So, for this to be made for $11 million, that's not exactly on the cheap. No. No, no. Not exactly. Hmm. But, you know what? It was worth it. Yeah. Every penny is on that screen. So, uh, Rand Peltzer... Yeah, inventor. Played by Hoyt Axton. Traveling man. Now, Hoyt Axton is a singer, right? I believe he was a country singer, didn't if I'm not mistaken. Write, didn't he write a bunch of Elvis' songs? I do not know that for sure. Oh. Hoyt Axton. I thought I heard somewhere that maybe he wrote some Elvis songs. But uh, he definitely was a singer. Yeah, he's he has got a that. really smooth voice. Mm-hmm. I, you could definitely listen to him narrate the film. Oh, yeah. I don't think that... I feel like I read that... Oh, uh, don't quote me on this. But I feel like I read that the movie didn't originally... Wasn't originally narrated by him. Oh, really? And then they were like, we got Hoyt Axton, so... It's still barely narrated. He really just does the bit at the beginning him. and the bit at the yeah. end. Yeah. So, oh, I'm looking for something just like this for my son. 
You're not saying it quite right. No, I was way off with the very, Maybe lines. uncomfortable. So Rand Good Peltzer eye, I'm Hoyt is being led to a small shop in Chinatown. Yeah. Did they specify which Chinatown? Yeah, Chinatown, USA. Yeah, they don't specify if it's New York or, or uh, San Francisco. It's definitely not San Francisco. You don't think? A, it's not very hilly. B, it snows an awful lot there. Does it, does it snow that much in San Francisco? At all? Does it snow in San Francisco? I don't know. I don't know. So There's anyways, that old saying, yeah. I think it's like any town USA. Chinatown USA. So uh, he gets led to Chinatown by this young boy, and he's led into this kid's grandfather's shop. It's right. filled with all these knickknacks. A and, basement shop, yeah, and which is always scary. Fairly, the, the grandfather is a pretty fairly indifferent... He's got one blind eye. ...pipe-smoking yahoo yeah isn't he the uh snatch the pebble from my hand guy from the original kung fu series oh, i don't know pretty sure he is i could be wrong Vusters, look that up yeah, make sure the the grandfather from the gremlins hold is our also hold our feet to the fires so originally this movie opened with rand dealing with an old woman before he meets the kid oh and the kid is like no you gotta come see my grandfather's shop he's got the best stuff all right uh, they just decided to cut to the chase a little bit faster. That makes sense. Rand is an inventor, and he tries to sell this old man on his newest invention, the bathroom buddy. Oh, yeah. It's sort of like a Swiss army knife, but for travel toiletries. Yeah. It's, it's also the about... the size of a brick. The size of a brick. Like a small brick. Yeah, it's pretty big, though. But it doesn't look like a convenient thing to be carrying around. No. I mean, you could only keep it in your suitcase. Actually, actually interesting because if you were to think about like travel toiletry bags, yeah, it's probably actually smaller than a toiletry bag. Sure, but it holds less. Exactly, and it's dysfunctional. That's for sure. And it doesn't have a strap on it that you can hand, you, you know, carry easily. Yeah, it's like a weird sort of cone shape slash pointless pyramid shape. The bathroom buddy. Yeah, I thought it was more rectangular. No, nah, but it's kind of tapered. All right. Anyway, Vusters, so, so you've watched Gremlins. You know what it looks like. And yeah. toothpaste shoots out all over him. It's not good. Mm, it sure does. So he explains, um, he's explaining this device to the guy trying to sell him on it. Yeah. And he hears this humming. Kind of like that, only cooler. Um, and he, eventually the kid... Shows him the, the, where the humming's coming from. Yeah. We don't actually see what's in the thing. We kind of see like a silhouette of some ears or something. Kind of Yoda-ish ears. And Just uh, like Waltz. And uh, he's like, i got to have this. I've been looking for a God. present for my son everywhere. Yeah. And I've got to have this thing. And he eventually offers $200, which back then was a lot of money. whole lot and of money. And the kid seems to imply that it's money they desperately need. Right, because they sure do have a store full of stuff. Yeah. But I don't see any money laying around. The old man says it's too much responsibility and he's not going to sell it. So Rand starts to leave disappointed. And as he he leaves, the kid shows up with um, the creature, a mogwai, in a box. And he's like, 200 bucks, here's the deal. And he says, we need the money too much. There are three important rules. Right. Number one. Well... It cuts to Rand walking away slowly, alone. But you hear the And they do a weird ADR. I don't think it was the same kid. 
What? But it it's almost, supposed to be the kid. Yeah, but it almost sounds like a girl doing a kid voice, and that Maybe, always freaks me it's, out. It's supposed to be the kid. So he yeah. says, number one, keep him away from water. <gasps> no baths, no drinks. What's it? How does it stay hydrated? Well, I'll... I'll, I'll they I'll never explain. They I'll, never explain. They explain in a comic strip, and I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. Interesting. Uh, number two, no bright lights, especially the sun. The sun will kill him. <gasps> no. Number three, the most important, never, no matter how much he might beg, never feed him after midnight. Mm-hmm. So let's address this water thing. It's water specifically, not things that have water in it. That's good to know. So milk, juice, things like that. They do drink beer at one point. Um, they do drink beer. And uh, apparently in the comic strip, they um, they show there's a scene where Billy accidentally spills juice on him and it doesn't affect him. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. In the comic strip. Yeah, apparently there's a comic strip and there's a, a bunch of things that you don't see. Mm. Uh, things that take place before, some things that take place during... Things that you don't see in the film. They okay. Sort of All right. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So as long as it's not specifically water, they're fine. Yep. That's good to know. Yep. So make a drink iced tea with us. Yep. All right. Yep. A little gizmo and some tea. Feeling better now. Uh, so then we're introduced to Kingston Falls. Yes. Can I tell you, I love Kingston Falls. I mean, it seems like a really charming place. It seems like a really great place to live. Part of it looks real familiar. Yeah. So the first thing we see... Is a billboard for a radio DJ. Oh, yeah. Rockin' Ricky Rialto. Rockin' Ricky Rialto. He's drawn as sort of like a cartoony Indiana Jones, and instead of a whip, he's got a mic in his hand. Right. Um, and I'm sure they chose Indy for a very specific reason. Um, you're probably correct. So they're... I'm willing to bet you're correct. So besides the fact that Steven Spielberg produced this film, um, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark had already come out, and, and Temple of Doom had either just come out or was about to come out. It was oh. right around the same time. Um, and yet, Short Round wasn't the Chinese kid in the beginning of the movie. Correct. You can't just cast that kid in everything. They should have. The kid was great. Uh, so then we get this really kind of cool shot from above the town, the town square where you can really see the whole town square. Oh, yeah. Um, you can tell right away that it's the... Town Square from Back to the Future. Yeah. I think you were alluding to. Pretty quickly. You can actually see the columns from the clock tower are just off to the right. They're kind of cut off. Um, but because it's like really high up, they use like a an old matte painting technique. Right. Where they used to paint on the glass and then put that in front of the camera. And that um, covers up the other part of the back lot that's supposed to be ha- houses and neighborhood and mountains and stuff. And it's really pretty. It's got this kind of... Um, almost Norman Rockwell painting kind of look to it, like the small town. Absolutely. Um, and if you were just to, just to watch it and not really pay attention, you wouldn't really think much of it. But if you really stop and look at it, it's this really beautiful, like, small town thing they got going on. Agreed. Something I really liked. Kingston Corners? Kingston, Kingston Falls. Kingston Falls. Oh, so, I'm thinking Clamp Corners. Next so movie, yeah. The kids are playing uh, in the snow. Uh, they're like throwing snowballs and stuff. They sure People are. are buying Christmas trees. The tree man's son, Pete, is dressed up as a tree to help his dad. Pete played by Truth Movement lead singer Corey Feldman. Okay. Hi, Corey. <laughs> hi, hi, Corey. Keep rocking. So, at home, yeah, Billy is sitting in his snowed-over Volkswagen Beetle. Snowed-over is an understatement. Yeah, it's got a lot of snow on it. It's almost just flat-out coated with snow. Yeah, yeah. But it's... But 
It's almost like there's no way any car could get that coated with snow. Well, how come it's so coated in snow? You can't get it to run. You can't get the car to start. There is that. So presumably it's been there for a while. It's been there all winter. Maybe that's it. His dog Barney is sitting next to him. Barney, played by... Hang on. Oh, Oh, it's okay. I was in the process of saying it. I like it. Mushroom. Uh, Mushroom the dog. Mushroom. Barney's sitting next to him, um, and he's just failing to get this car to start. His neighbor, Murray Futterman. This is our second Christmas movie with a Murray in it. Played by good old Dick Miller. Murray Futterman comes home on his tractor snowplow thing, and uh, he begins telling Billy the virtues of good American-made machinery. Yeah. So Billy gives up and decides to walk to work, which brings us back to the town square and kind of tells us how small this town is. Yeah. Because he can walk to work and be there fine yeah, in time. Also, he can walk to work and be there in time in a town that seems to never shovel its walk or ever plow its streets. That's true. Murray plays a plowman. And he, he got home during the day and he's just like, you know but, what? I'm but done. all the surfaces are covered in snow. There's no shoveled walks That's anywhere. True. That's There's true. no plowed streets. I don't get it. God bless you. I don't get it, Murray. So as Billy walks to work, he passes a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what movies are playing on the oh, marquee? Oh, man. Not See You Next Wednesday. That is not true. That is not true. Um, oh. Wait a minute. Uh, one of them is A Boy's Life. Correct. And the other? What is the other one the other one is blue harvest no no watch the skies watch the skies now a boy's life is the working title yeah of my favorite film of all time jaws 2 not jaws 2 et the extraterrestrial oh i was gonna say maximum overdrive after jaws 2 nope that's okay. Good. That's I enjoy that movie. It's terrible, but I enjoy it. That's totally enjoyable. Watch the skies. Do you know what movie that is uh, a working title for, or was? Oh, it's got to be Close Encounters Close of the Encounters. Third Kind. So you were pretty close with Blue Harvest. Sweet. So yeah, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. More more Spielberg references. Yeah. A little ET plush figure shows up close to the end of the film too. You're right. So Billy works at the Savings and Loan. Billy played by Zach Galligan. Zach Galligan. Not Gilligan. So he, he goes in, takes his dog in, secretly ties the dog up under his like window desk. He's a teller. That's always bothered me. And uh, we see he's got kind of a streak of his father in him. Um, he puts his nameplate up on the desk. Did you see that? When he puts it up there, it's, his name is upside down. Yeah. And then he like kind of hastily clip, poor, and poorly clips his bow tie on. Yeah. I think it's sort of this like reference that like his father is a little bit of a mess, and so he is too. Makes sense. Now there's a beautiful girl there. Boy, is there. Named Kate. Played by... You tell me. Phoebe Kate. Phoebe Phoebe Kate's. And she comes over to have uh, Billy help her with an issue that they kind of clear up quickly. From Fast Times? Okay. And That scene? Yeah. The scene from Fast Times. Okay. I'm on on the end. Making sure the the viewsters know what's up. So uh, it's really clear that Billy and Kate have a thing for each other. It hasn't developed into anything yet, but it's clear that they have eyes for each it's other. It's a work crush. They're a bit of a they're a bit of an early '80s Jim and Pam. Yeah, kind of. Got a little of that going on. So outside, the rich Uh-oh. and 
pissy Mrs. Dick Deagle oh, no. stomps her way towards the savings alone. She's carrying the head of a broken snowman lawn decoration. Yeah. Um, Which she claims is from Hungary or Austria? Somewhere over in that zone. And it's like, why would you buy a decorative snowman from across the ocean? Right. So people keep getting in her way and like she kind of shoves them and it's really apparent that she's like rich and powerful and she holds people's lives in her hands. There's a She owns the bank. Yeah, there's a woman who um who is uh they've got a loan. Yeah. And it's the loan's past due and so she's gonna I don't know, foreclose on them and the kids need to eat and all this stuff. Um Reagan. Reaganomics, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the eighties. Now it's important to notice her hat and her fur. Oh yes. Later in the film. Oh yeah. And her hair. And her hair too. Yeah, that's true. So she she gets goes inside. She pushes her way past everyone in line at the bank and confronts Billy. And she blames his dog Barney for knocking over her decoration. And yeah, it. like as if Barney's the only rascally dog in town. Right. Ridiculous. So she asks for the dog to be turned over to her so she can have it put to sleep. Awful. Now this is kind of where the movie shows its true colors for the first time. They're obviously setting up this sort of Wicked Witch thing. Yeah. The whole, like, I'll get your dog. For sure. But the length in which she sort of discusses her plan and the joy in which she takes and thinking about this dog being murdered. Yeah. Uh, really sets kind of this evil tone. For sure. And it makes us not like her, which is great. She's an evil woman. Now, the dog doesn't like this talk and Billy getting threatened. So he unties himself. Yeah. Go Mushroom. Go, go mushroom. Jumps Aww. up, jumps up on the counter, and jumps at Mrs. Deagle, and she falls down, drops it, and sh- and shatters. Yeah. the snowman head. Good. Um, the dog's like biting her like sleeve, and they pull the dog off her, and she makes this big to do about how weak her heart is and whatnot. And Billy gets scolded by the bank manager and the assistant uh, manager Gerald. Yeah. By the honorary Judge Reinhold, also in. Well, I mean, the honorable Judge Reinhold, who is also in. Also in with Phoebe Cates. Oh, yeah. Also in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yep. Good old Brad. Doesn't anybody knock? That was my Judge Reinhold. That was good. That was pretty good. Hey, watch vice versa. I'm Judge. Uh, kinda, I kind of, I liked, um, you, you hate Mrs. Deal, but I loved her performance. Well, absolutely. Mrs. She's, yeah. she's really great. And there's this really cool like moment where she turns really quickly from vengeance to sympathy, like looking for sympathy. And she looks at the dog and she goes... I'll get you when you least expect it. Ooh. And she goes, Oh, my heart. It's, yeah. it's so great. Like how she like, kind of flutters that. Yeah. She's like, Oh my heart. It hurts. You know, the actress is great. Yeah. The character really is a monster. So that night after work, Billy is at the local bar. Oh yeah. Dory's. I feel like it was called Dory's. Dory's. Yep. Dory's a uh, Irish pub or something. Yep. I don't know. And he's drinking a beer and drawing cartoons of Mrs. Deagle as a dragon. Mm-hmm. And there's another man there complimenting him his work. Do you remember? Do you know who that was? Wasn't it back to uh, Murray the neighbor? It was not Murray. You're gonna love this because we were wondering where he was in this film. Who was it? The man complimenting him on his cartoon work is none other than, none other than Chuck Jones of Looney Tunes fame. Oh, that's right. We saw his name in the credits, and we were like, "Where is he?" Yeah. And uh, it turns out he's the guy who's complimenting Billy's cartoon. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Way to go, Chuck Jones. Now, Billy's co-worker, Gerald, the assistant manager, comes in to talk to Billy um, and to show him why he's so successful. Yeah. And that Billy will amount to nothing like his father because he's a screw-up. Who, uh, what a dummy, 
taking care of his family. Yeah. I think he even refers to him as Mr. Clip-On at one point, too, which is pretty rude, Gerald. Let me find out that Kate works there. Yeah, for free. At night. Sadly. She volunteers her time to help Dory out for the holidays. So Gerald tries to get Kate to come over to his place. He's like, have you seen my new place? And she's like, I haven't seen your old place. Doesn't he uh, say something about like a new hi-fi or a new VCR or something like that? I don't remember. He mentions some piece of equipment that's just like, Look at me. That's enough, Gerald. Yeah. Anyway, so she basically shuts him down. Billy smiles at this. Oh, yeah. Now, Billy arrives home, and when he shuts the door... What happens every time someone shuts the door there? A decorative sword falls off the wall. Falls off the wall. Uh, It's the first of many times. I like these kind of repeating gags. We talked about it in Home Alone with the lawn jockey thing. Yeah. Um, I like the sword thing as well. Um, Billy meets up with his mom in the kitchen and tries to help her out by using one of his dad's inventions. Oh, boy. A big cracker with like a little chicken meat (laughs) on it. Uh, It does not go well. Nope. And uh, kind of underscores the previous scene with Gerald, this idea that his dad's kind of a screw-up. Yeah. It worked fine for the first couple of weeks. So Rand comes home, and of course he has to put the sword back on the wall. Yeah. And he has a present for Billy that he has to open right now. Yeah, this one can't wait till Christmas. It's kind of funny when he gives him the the wrapped box because Billy shakes it. What is it? He shakes it. He's like, no, don't shake it. Uh, So Billy meets Gizmo, and they love each other immediately. They sure do, because Gizmo's a little love bug. Yeah. He he comes from a place of love in all things that he does. Yep. So, uh, and the dog's very curious about Gizmo. Um, now, Billy's mom decides she wants to take a picture. She, oh, boy. She opens up the flash, and when it, when the flash goes off, it hurts and frightens Gizmo, and he, like, lur- lurches into Rand's arms and buries himself in there. And, and then that's when Rand tells them the three important rules. Which are... Keep them out of bright light and especially sunlight. Mm-hmm. No water. No water of any kind, not even to drink. Don't feed them after midnight. Never feed them after midnight. Now, when the little gizmo is there, um, they do a couple of close-up shots on his head. Yeah. They built a giant gizmo head oh. specifically for that because the smaller ones couldn't express the way that they wanted to oh that's cool and so with the ears it was it was about two feet wide with the ears it was about three feet the ears added about another six inches on each side wow yeah kind of cool very cool now upstairs in billy's room he and gizmo are playing with a little like keyboard like a little casio keyboard yeah and uh gizmo sings his theme for billy for the first time and you can see the dog on the bed is kind of jealous yeah. that there's a new pet in the house yeah it's pretty adorable yeah so the next day, Billy goes downstairs and tries to make some juice. And of course, his father's juicer that he invented goes nuts. Haywire. It shoots juice everywhere. I would say it shoots too much juice everywhere. More juice than one orange, that's for sure. For sure. I mean, it, it Fs up the whole kitchen. Yeah, it's pretty bad. From that one orange. Pete, the kid dressed as a Christmas tree, shows Played up. Played by Lost Boys' Corey Feldman. Yep. All right. He shows up with the Pelter's Christmas tree. Still dressed as a Christmas tree. He's, dressed as a Christmas He's got tree. to make deliveries in this awful costume. Yeah, he convinces Billy to let him leave it at the house. Nice. Um, they don't really go into great detail on that, but he's like, yeah, you can leave it here while you make your deliveries. So uh, Billy's a good friend. Billy takes him upstairs to put the tree there, and they're going to hang out a little bit. Um, Gizmo's sitting on the bed, and when uh, when Pete comes in, he like flips the 
blanket over to sit yeah. down and of course it covers up gizmo so he doesn't see him right away oh gizmo has been watching a movie with clark gable yeah it is not mutiny on the bounty no uh it's a race car driver movie and it's called to please a lady hey now yeah if anybody knows how to do that it's cg yeah uh interestingly yeah. Originally, it was not a Clark Gable film that, that oh. he was watching. It was a Chuck Jones cartoon. Oh, cool. Called Feed the Kitty. Feed the Kitty. Yep. And they, they changed it later after they filmed the scene. Now, it's really cool to be able to see this uh, on DVD because you get a, sort of a new aspect ratio than what you would see in the theater. Yeah. We talked about this with uh, Jared on his, on his uh, YouTube show about yes. Ghostbusters and how they would crop stuff and when you see it on the big screen it's, it's different all right um same thing kind of happened but in reverse with dvd and blu-ray you got a larger frame all right than a lot of times what you saw in the theater so on the wide shots of those wide shots the wide shots on those scenes um uh, in that scene had the tv in the top corner but in the theater it was cropped out so they didn't feel the need to replace the fact that they had shot a cartoon originally. Oh. So on the Blu-ray and on the DVD, if you pay really close attention to the wider shot, you can actually see that Gizmo's watching uh, Feed the Kitty. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. All right. Little, it would be a continu- continuity error normally, but in this case it wouldn't be because it was cropped out for the, the release. I see. Uh-oh, Steve's, Steve's yawning. Coffee countdown. Coffee tea. What? That wasn't even English. The I coffee... Used- <laughs> countdown for this movie was zero we'll yeah, get that out of the way pretty great so uh yeah so pete then gets to meet gizmo and yeah. really takes him over to his desk to show him gizmo singing Aww. and pete's like hey can i hold him and he's like yeah of course and when pete reaches over he knocks a, a jar full of water over oh like, snap it like uh, it's like brushes. paint yeah it's paintbrush water um and uh it starts this duplication process where the little gizmo is like writhing and screaming and stuff and um, bubbling his back, bubbling in these little balls. Oh no. Little balls of fuzz fly uh. off and then they slowly pulsate and grow and grow and grow until they turn into new gremlins. I always love when they expand, but they're still just furry little balls Their at the time. No, even before that, oh, when yeah, it just they... goes from a little fur fuzz ball to like a bigger fuzz ball. Would you like to know how they did that? I have a rough outline. What you got? Well, I would say they probably have like a balloon That's with, the, with the with the fur thing around it, and uh-huh. then they just inflate the balloon a little well, so that put, it... They just glue fur to the balloon. Yeah, nice, because yeah. it, it's a fun little effect there. Yeah, it's, it's really great. A fur balloon. Fur balloon. Fur balloon. Uh, when, when Gizmo's freaking out, and he's like panicking and smashing his head. Oh, that's so feet, sad. Yeah. It's that uh, the mask kept... The, they had different faces that they could attach Aww. to the thing. And it kept like kind of coming off, and so if you look really closely, there's a little bit of an outline where the mask is coming off a little bit. Whoa, weird. Yeah. Um, so the new guys show up, and it's really clear that they're meaner. Their faces look a little bit different than Gizmo's. They're definitely not as sympathetic. They're a little bit more. Yeah, different. they've all got a bit of a scowl. Yeah, stri- uh, there's one with a big fur, like stripe a little mohawk. mohawk yeah. Um, they, they call him Stripe. Stripe. Uh. Gizmo knows what's up, and he just like sits off to the side. And he's like super sad, like he's crying sad. Yeah, he knows these guys are up to no good. Yeah, um, started making trouble in his neighborhood. I was gonna say it, but then I was like, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> um, so Rand is working on another broken invention. It's a card shuffler. Oh yeah, he's just shooting cards out like crazy. 
Billy comes down to tell him that uh, he got Gizmo wet. Mm-mm. Uh, and they go downstairs and they see that the other Mogwais have opened up all the Christmas presents and candy and stuff. We uh, missed something about the multiplication scene in Billy's room. Yeah, what's that? Pete asks, hey man, can I have one of yeah, these now? Right. And then Billy's like, no, that's probably not a good idea. And then Pete gets real hurt. And he just goes over to Billy's bed and starts reading a comic. And he's yeah. just like, yo, whatever, man. It's cool. It's yeah. real neat. Yeah, cool. Now that, um, he should have let Pete have one. The uh, scene, I'm, I can't remember if it's the close-up of him singing or when he's freaking out and the things are popping off of him. Yeah. Uh, but one of those scenes is the larger gizmo. And so, you know, there's comic books strewn all over the desk. Yeah. Uh, they had to blow up and make giant-sized comics specifically for that to make it look balanced oh that's cool yeah real cool i wonder if those giant comics are laying around in a prop shop anywhere probably not it's been 30 years so uh they go downstairs and they see the 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 mogwais have opened up all the christmas presents and they're Mm -hmm. eating candy and tooting horns and running things and the dog's miserable yeah just like one spits this nasty yellow brown liquid almost like a chaw yeah he spits at the dog oh those jerks. At, yeah. At night, there's a noise. Oh, that boy. wakes Billy up. Oh, no. And you see it. Um, Gizmo's in the bed with Billy. The other ones are in like a like a little box. Yeah. The... Laid next to each other. And when Billy gets up, you see that Stripe is actually awake. And he's got this like very satisfied look on his face. Yeah. So Billy um, gets led by the noise downstairs. And he goes outside and he sees the dog hanging from Christmas lights. Aww. Poor tortured little Barney. Alive. Alive. And strung up in the lights. Not hanged, thank and, goodness. And apparently the... You know, this was not torturous to the real dog. They did. A, That's good. Uh, they took care to not hurt the dog. That's good. Um, now, Billy thinks it was Mrs. Deagle because she said she was going to get him when he least expected it. Yeah, we we know better, right? So Billy shows up at the middle school to show the Mogwai, yeah, to the science teacher that he knows, Mister Hatton, Mister Teacher. I forget what his last name was. Well, they duplicate uh, the new Mogwai with one drop of water, one little ball pops out, and the teacher's like, hey, can I hold on to this one? For science. For science. Yeah. And Billy's like, sure. So again, Billy lets the science teacher keep one, but still won't let Pete have one. He's an adult. Whatever. Pete's his best friend. We don't know his best friend. Pete's Pete's some little kid in the town. He comes over and hangs out all the time. Billy is over 21. Oh well, yeah, we know that. And for Pete some is reason, in middle school. for some reason, the only friend of Billy's we meet Other is Kate. I would say Pete's probably in high school. Middle school because they show the the. Oh, is it a junior high? And it says middle school on it. Oh, I thought for sure it was a high school. No. Yikes! Yeah, it's real messed up. Then they shouldn't be hanging out that much. I mean, you kind of understand. Like when I was a little kid, I hung out with older kids. Like you know, it was like a little nuisance. You know. Mm, I don't know. Anyways. I don't, I don't approve. So, Billy goes to see Kate at the bar, and she's trying to get Mr. Futterman to go home. Yeah. He's definitely drunk. He's like, one more. And she's like, no. So, they get him to his snowplow, and he looks at it, and he's that's when he tells about the gremlins. Yeah, he just starts going on. How they on. messed up the planes during the war. 
and how foreigners will plant gremlins in their products to sell in their machinery. And then they send that machinery to the U.S. Oh, no. And then uh, they convince him that he, maybe he should walk home. And so he does. Thank goodness. Billy walks Kate home. Yeah. And she tells him that she hates Christmas. <gasps> and he's like, why? That's crazy. And she's like, it's uh-huh. not crazy. People hate all sorts of things. It's okay for me to hate Christmas. Uh, so he, he walks her to the house. And yeah. uh, before she goes in, he's like, hey, do you ever get time off from the bar? She's like, Thursday nights. He's like, how about Thursday night? We go out. And she's like, on a date? And he's like, yeah. And she's oh, yeah. like, I'd love to. And then it's super sexy eyes. Mm-hmm. So, Kate uh, likes Billy. Billy likes Kate. Yeah. They decide they're going to, you know, deal with that later over the phone. Yeah. Back in the middle school, the science teacher draws blood from the mogwai that he has. He does. And he's like, it won't hurt, it won't hurt. And then he stabs him and it hurts the mogwai and the mogwai's pissed. The mogwai's in a lot of pain when he gets that bl- blood drawn out of his little paw. He looks paw. hurt and he looks pissed at the same time. Though. Yeah. He looks betrayed. Yeah, he absolutely. So Billy, Being kept in a cage, too. Billy's at home and he's like drawing. He's continuing to draw stuff and he's eating a sandwich. And the little crazy mogwais are on the floor, and they are jumping up and down. They want food. Yeah. So Billy's like, let me check the time. So he looks, and it's just after 11.30. So he goes and gets chicken out of the fridge. A whole plate of chicken. A whole plate of chicken. And kind of ridiculous. drumsticks. I thought that was weird. Also strange that they're pretty much all drumsticks. So he takes the plate of chicken and gives it to the little mogwais, and they flip out, and they just start... Down oh, gross. and there's all those close-ups of them eating, sticky, like, cold, yeah. fried chicken. Fatty grossness. It's all sticky. Yeah. Oh, it's funny, though. So, uh... But he offers a piece to Gizmo. Yeah, that was my next note. He offers a piece to Gizmo. Who's reading a book. Uh, but Gizmo declines it. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. It's amazing how close Gizmo got to turning into a gremlin. Because if he had just said yes, it would have been... For real. Gremlin time, right? For real, dog. We would have lost to Gizmo. I wonder, though, in this case, yeah, if Gizmo would have been a bad gremlin. The, the, I don't know if they have a choice. Well, so here's the thing, right? Well, no, they don't have a choice about becoming a gremlin. But here's the thing. Gizmo's a mogwai, and he's clearly good. Yeah. The other ones are mogwais, and they're clearly bad. Bad's written in their DNA. True. So just because he would transform into another creature doesn't necessarily mean that his per- their personality stayed the same. Yeah, I guess that's true. So the question is, would he have had a different personality? But he still would have been a horrifyingly ugly gremlin. It's it's almost a, like a wicked scenario, you know. Yeah, maybe. Like would would wickedness just be thrust upon him, and he'd be like, "Fine, you think I'm bad? I'll show like, you bad." So back at the school, the teacher is eating a sandwich too, and decides he's going to knock off sometime around after two a.m. You see a clock. On yeah, the I thought it was pretty strange that a middle school science teacher would be hanging out till after well, two. He's doing- experiments on that thing and he can't do it during the day that's still extremely late at night to be hanging out in a middle school trust me i've broken into some middle schools after 2 a.m now keep in mind i was 11 years old at the time and none of them had teachers who were investigating a brand new species that's true but also nobody was there yeah just me and the snacks so he decides he's gonna leave he leaves his sandwich there and of course that little mogwai Pulls it over to him. Yeah. And he uses some paper, pulls the paper, which pulls the sandwich kind of a thing. And he says, yum, yum. He goes, yummy, yummy. Yeah. Uh, so in the script, originally, yeah. even after they had begun filming. Begun I'm listening. The process going. Right. Gizmo eats after midnight <gasps> in the script. 
and it was Gizmo that turns into Stripe originally. Oh, no. And Gizmo became the villain. That's terrifying. Yeah. Steven Spielberg uh, was like, oh, he's too cute. We got to keep him. So thanks to Steven oh, Spielberg, man. we got to keep Gizmo and, and that cute little fuzzball. I wonder how I would feel about that movie if Gizmo had yeah, it would turned really into change a bad things. guy. I, I don't know if I would have liked the movie as much. Yeah. Aw. Gizmo forever. <laughs> so Billy and Gizmo are watching a movie on TV. Do you know what movie they're watching? It's a Wonderful Life. They are not. It's a Wonderful Life was playing earlier in a scene when his mother was in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that made another appearance. So at this point they're watching... Uh, I forget. Oh, oh, Invasion of the Body Invasion Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Um, and Kevin McCarthy is in that, and he's screaming the warning that they're coming. They're coming, which is sort of a warning to us that they're coming. Yeah. Now this is where... Both I'm- movies, a warning about Soviet invasion. Okay. Think about it. So Kevin McCarthy is screaming this. Now Kevin McCarthy is in many Joe Dante films, and this is kind of one of the things I wanted to address earlier. Yeah. Uh, including the Twilight Zone episode from the Twilight Zone, the movie that Joe Dante did. All right. Which is about the little boy that can wish anything into existence. He's oh Uncle yeah. Walt That's that. right. Um, and he Kevin McCarthy's in uh, Inner Space and he's Howdy. in Matinee. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking of Joe Dante films. That's a Joe Dante film. Matinee? Come on. Never seen it. It's uh, John Goodman, right? John Goodman. Other people. I forget who all's in it, well, but it's great. Well, anyways. We got to watch it. Sure. Add it to the bucket. It might be in the bucket. Maybe. So, yeah. So, Kevin McCarthy apparently is a staple of Joe Dante films. And so, uh, it, because he wasn't actually cast in the film, they had this scene. Nice. Where they're watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers on there. Quite nice. He's the main villain in Inner Space, right? Yeah. Nice. He's the bad guy in UHF. Who gets shrunk. Yeah, yeah. Take that ridiculous thing off. And of course, they they are coming. The gremlins are coming. You betcha. They're literally metamorphosizing as they're watching that, right? They're about to. Yeah, they're about to turn into cocoons. Yeah. So the next morning, Billy wakes up and he sees five disgusting cocoons. So disgusting. And he's sure he didn't feed them after midnight. Uh, so he goes and looks at his clock, and it's the same time, just after 11.30. So he picks Boy. up the clock and sees that the cord has been cut or chewed apart. Probably chewed. At So at the school, Billy goes to the school because he's like, oh, there's these cocoons. I better see what happened up there. Billy and Pete and the teacher find the cocoon as well. And they cut they cuts the little it's so gross. wires off. The way it's like grown in against the wire and stuff. Yeah. And they, so they go about that business. Meanwhile, Billy's mom is still at the house with those cocoons. Yeah. She's decorating cookies and the phone rings. <gasps> Who's on the phone? The dad? It's Rand. And he's at an inventor's convention. Oh, yeah. And there are several things I want to point out. Let me hear them. First off, to Rand's right, the, the older gentleman on the phone. Yeah. I think he's wearing a big hat. All right. Jerry Goldsmith, the composer. Cool. I want to talk about how iconic Jerry Goldsmith was. Let me hear it. Star Trek, the motion picture. Know One it. Of the most famous songs, and they used it for Next Generation as well. Mulan. Oh, yeah? Rudy. Think about the music in Rudy, how iconic that is. Sure. The Burbs. Nice. Alien. Excellent. The Omen. 
very iconic Ooh. music. And this one I thought would be close to your heart, Steve. Yeah. Soren over California. Oh, that's great. He From composed that? Yeah, he did the music for that. That's awesome. Riding by on a little like low bike thing, that's some type of contraption, is Steven Spielberg. Oh, that was Spielberg? Yeah. I always thought that was John Landis. No, the uh, the wow. the gentleman drinking the Coke with the sunglasses, yeah. the hip dude behind him on the left side, is a guy that's supposed to look... Oh, not like John Landis. I'm thinking like Joe Dante. Oh. Yeah, no, like Joe Dante. Uh, John Landis was not mentioned to have been in this film. John Landis was fairly bearded most of the time, like yeah. really round face, whereas Spielberg's face is a little more leaner. Hmm. Hmm. Then the thing that we noticed that I think was... One of my favorite things as an adult now. The DeLorean from Back to the Future. Not the DeLorean. It was the time machine from the, the time machine from the H.G. Wells time machine. Oh, yes. With the big with wheel. The big wheel. They had it on Big Bang Theory, too. And there's a guy sitting in it, and it's like the wheel spinning and stuff. And then it cuts back to the cocoons. Yeah. And then it cuts back to Rand talking, and the time machine's gone. And there's somebody looking at the space where it was, and the, the ground is like charred black. Yeah. That's great. I have never noticed that before until Whoa. I watched it. Now, I haven't watched the movie since I was a kid, but still, I never noticed that as a kid either. Time Machine. That's amazing. It's pretty awesome. The H.G. Wells Time Machine at an inventor's convention, and it disappears yeah. into time. Think about that. Into time. So, the at the bank. Yeah. We get to see people's plight against Mrs. Deagle again. That that mother with the kids is there uh, arguing with the bank manager. Yep. And, of course, she shows up and pushes everybody out of her way so she can get what she wants. She's like, deposit this in my account right now, Billy. <sighs> Freaking Mrs. Deagle. Now, so it's like kind of bouncing us around quite a bit. So at the school, the science teacher has hidden the cocoon in a box, and it's hatching unknowingly to everyone. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the gremlins are hatching in Billy's house at the same time. So the gremlin escapes the box just as the school day is ending and the kids are about to go off for Christmas. Yeah. And the teacher's like ushering them out because he sees that it's the box is tipped over and stuff. So the teacher gets a Snickers bar and tries to lure it out from under a desk. It would work for me. And uh, the gremlin's like, yum, yum. And he like, yum, grabs yum. it and then he grabs the guy and the teacher and he, the teacher's like, ah, and then it cuts away. It's scary. Billy gets to the school. And he finds the teacher dead with a <gasps> syringe stuck in his butt. Now, going back to the horrific things that the movie used to demonstrate. Yeah. Uh, they actually shot this. And then Steven Spielberg told them they needed to switch it up. Uh, there was, when he finds the teacher, the teacher is actually lying on his back with syringes completely covered in his face. Oh, no. His face covered in syringes. Oh, my gosh. That's really gnarly. So Billy goes for the phone to call home, and a gremlin scratches his hand and cuts him. <gasps> oh, no. At home, Whoa. poor little Gizmo is being tortured. Yeah. He's being held up on a dartboard with some phone cord. Aww. And uh, they're throwing darts at him. Now, from what I understand, uh, there were a lot of... There's a lot of complications working with Gizmo. I believe it. Uh, a lot of wires and complicated angles and things like that yeah and it became kind of a nightmare didn't always work and so they would have a suggestion board that the crew members could uh suggest ways of torturing gizmo and some of them made into the movie one of the ways that the crew had voted to to torture gizmo was the dartboard oh poor gizmo 
Uh, that robot. Billy's mom can hear the noises coming from the attic. So uh, the gremlins take Gizmo and toss him in the laundry chute. Way so, up in the sky, little lamb. Remember? I've it's from the, the scene that we're talking about right now. Yes, that is true. Armed with a kitchen knife. Yeah. She goes upstairs to find that the cocoons have hatched. <gasps> Billy calls, and she answers the phone up in up the attic and uh, to warn her. And the gremlins disconnect the phone line while they're talking. Oh, no. She goes back back downstairs, and... The song starts playing. The song starts playing. On a record player. Said the shepherd boy to the little lamb. She turns it off, and then a glass, like a drinking glass, like flies past her head and shatters yeah. on the wall behind her. Scary. She makes her way into the kitchen, and there's a gremlin uh, eating uh, the head off of a, one of the cookies she's been decorating. And then he sees the... Like the blender? Yeah. And there's something inside the blender bowl. Some sort of weird mixing bowl thing. Yeah. yeah. But, it's kind of, but it's also a blender. Oh, it's weird. Yeah, it's like a it's like a bowl with a blender in it, which seems like a really messy Bad appliance idea. to have. And we're about to find out why. So uh, he, get, he jumps in that head first. And gross. so she takes the advantage of the opportunity and blends them up. And I actually have the word gross uh, on my notes right here. That makes a lot of sense because it is gross. And his little gremlin lizard legs are kicking around and his green blood splattering all over the kitchen. One gremlin starts flinging dishes at at her. And so she takes her knife and she stabs the sucker to... She does. She goes Mrs. Bates on him. Now, did you notice anything about that gremlin after the fact? I didn't notice this till the second time I was watching it. About the stabbed gremlin? Yep. No. So, so the next thing that happens is she sees another one. She uses cooking spray to drive it back into the uh, yeah the microwave. The stabbed gremlin is behind her when that happens. The microwave is on the opposite side of the kitchen. That little stabbed gremlin is stuck to the the board, cutting board, writhing and kicking his legs the entire oh, time. Oh, snap. How yeah. have I never seen that? Yeah, it was crazy. Oh, <laughs> So he's not dead. He's no. just laying there dying. So she she forces the other one into the microwave and she closes the door and turns it on. And that sucker explodes into the grossest goop. So gross. It's like super liquidy and chunky at the same time. And there's also that sort of uh, water fountain effect that happens while he's yeah. in there. Blech. Yep. They basically blew up like a gremlin balloon. Boo. Why? Make it stop. So she hears something in the living room, so she goes in there. She sees something wriggling in the stocking, and she takes a swipe with her knife and cuts it down, and the toy falls out. Toy robot! And she kind of like takes a deep breath and backs up, and behind her is the tree. Yeah. And that's when we notice two of the red lights on the tree aren't Are really lights. glowing gremlin eyes. So the tree falls down on her. I just want to point out, this movie starts off with one mogwai who turns into six mogwai, Five of those Mogwai turn into gremlins, and Mom, in ten minutes, has already killed three of them. Yeah, I'm about to kill another. Pretty good, well, Mom. Kill this other one, but... Pretty good ratio, Mom. So the tree falls down on her, and the gremlin starts using tinsel to strangle her. Yeah. And uh, Billy comes home, grabs a sword off the wall. <gasps> Thank goodness. And cuts the gremlin's head off. Decapitates it. Flies into the fireplace, and it screams as the little head is burning. And then we see that Stripe has been watching from behind the curtains this whole time. He blows his nose on the curtains and then lunges through the window, breaks through the window. Yeah. So, back to the script version of this. In the script, when Billy comes home, do you know what he finds? Hopefully not his dead mom. 
his mother's head rolling down the stairs, bouncing and hits the dog. Holy moly. That's effed up. That's really, really awful. The script for this is very different. Wow. Chris Columbus wrote that, huh? Chris Columbus. Holy shnikes. Harry Potter slash Home Alone, Chris Columbus. Wow. That's messed up. So, but because that's not what they filmed, Billy gets his mom to safety, he goes to a doctor's house, and he's like, hey, you know, take care of her. Yeah. And then she's like, be careful, and he goes back out, and he finds, he goes back to the house. He finds Gizmo in the laundry chute, puts him in the back a backpack. Thank goodness. And then leaves the house looking for a stripe. Now, Rand tries to call home, but nobody answers, of course, because the phone line's been cut. Yeah. And he's still at the uh, inventor's convention. Invention convention. Invention convention. And there's a Robbie Robot behind him on the phone right it's pretty funny it was talking some weird stuff too yeah i couldn't tell if he was talking to rand or somebody on the phone it was like sell, trying to sell something yeah i think he was talking to somebody on the phone but he was saying a lot of weird like salesman stuff and yeah. it's funny so billy follows these tracks in the snow the unplowed snow to the ymca <gasps> gremlin da, 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 da. Say, gremlin you can eat after 12 you're a gremlin you can't metamorphose again. He's going to duplicate in the da 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 YMCA pool. It's fun to duplicate at the YMCA pool. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so he finds Stripe. Yeah. At the YMCA, actually in like a circuit breaker panel or something. Okay. He jumps out of that, and uh, he launches out of it and uh, into the pool, the swimming <gasps> pool. And that pool goes crazy bonkers lights and dry ice smoking the whole pool essentially starts to boil and erupt with green glowing water yeah it's crazy it's pretty intense that now that um there's a shot of the gremlin like cannonballing into the pool yeah sinking in the water apparently they couldn't get that to to go right and they said something like the 61st take or something it finally was correct oh my god and then some crew member was like we forgot to put the stripe on his head. <laughs> so oh my god, again. that's they, nuts! So, uh, I don't know, kind of sixty-one that's, takes. That's the sad state of movies sometimes, you know. Wow, wowzers! Oh, oh I moment. forgot. I forgot when when Stripe jumps out of the thing, he knocks Billy down and he claws at Billy's chest. Oh no, thanks. Yeah, like tears a ho- some holes in his clothes and stuff. Uh. So Billy escapes and goes to the police, and they don't believe him about his gremlin story. So he tries to convince them by showing them Gizmo. He's like, can you turn down the lights? The police played, one of them played by... I only know his character name. Well, oh, darn it. I'll find it. Commissioner one of the James cops. Gordon in Batman Arkham Knight. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. So one of the cops is played by Breaking Bad's own... Nope, I almost got it. Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks, who played Mike Ehrmantraub. Mike Ehrmantraub. Well, he's also on Better Call Saul. That's true. He is also on Better Call Saul. That's uh, absolutely true. Which I like better than Breaking Bad. You know, I still haven't had a chance to watch it, and it's breaking my heart because I hear it's so good. Is it breaking your heart bad? A little bit. It's so, breaking it kind of bad. The gremlins invade town, and there's this uh, little shot. A little model of the town with the little uh, stop motion yeah. gremlins I really like. That's great. 
the Futtermans. So this is where kind of chaos happens, and I, you know, try to just kind of whip through it here. So the Futtermans are watching TV and decorating, and the TV goes out because the Gremlins are messing with the antenna. Yeah. Um, the Mr. Futterman goes out to see what's going on, and the plow, the snow plow, starts up and starts driving at him, and he runs in the house, and the snow plow goes straight through the wall. Smashes right in. Yeah. American made, baby. Kills the Futtermans. We have to assume. Now, I can't remember if it was this scene or if it was another one, but there's actually a scene, I think it might be earlier in the film, uh, where in the background there is a, an AMC gremlin. The little the oh, I really car. don't remember. The car is in the background. Yeah. And the logo for the car looks kind of like the gremlins with their ears. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen a gremlin with its logo before. All right, well, Looking it up. Looking it up. Okay. So they're dead. Yeah. Preacher comes out of the church. Totes dead. He goes to mail something, and every time he puts the letters in, they spit back out at him. This other guy comes up, and he's like, yeah, I got some stuff to mail, some last-minute things. And he puts this package in, and he gets his arm pulled into it. <gasps> Another gremlin is messing with traffic lights, causes some sort of traffic accident that we don't actually see. Yeah. And that's when the police, they, they've seen Gizmo now, and they start getting the calls. Uh, they get a call to investigate the Futtermans because there's been a freak accident with the snowplow. Oh, snap. And Billy's like, it's the gremlins. And they're like, there ain't no such thing as gremlins. Go home with Gizmo and sit by the TV and the fire and have a good Christmas. Aw, that's nice of them. The gremlins go to... A movie theater? Deagle, deagle, deagle. Oh, that's right. They go after Mrs. Deagle's house. Mrs. Deagle's house. Now, we see her coming down the stairs in one of those little chair assistance things. Yeah, like, like, a, a, like a rail. A motorized railing chair. And we find out that she's been wearing a wig this whole time. The red-haired wig. And lots of makeup because she doesn't have it on now. Yeah. And she comes down uh, in the chair and she has cats everywhere. Everywhere. And all of her cats are named after different types of money. Yeah. One is named Drachma. One Drachma. Is named Lyra. One is named Kopeck. But the one that we hear her talk about is... Dollar bill. Dollar bill. Then she hears some carolers. And because she's a Scrooge type person. Yeah. She grabs a pitcher of water and goes outside to throw the water. Fortunately, she does not throw it on the gremlins because that would have been real bad. A big problem. Uh, she sees these gremlins outside and they're all dressed up in hats and jackets. And they got the, the caroler sheet music. And I think Desiree may have said, where did they get the, the clothes from? Uh, and that's where I had the realization that uh, they killed these people and took their clothes. They probably killed the carolers. Yeah, the carolers are dead. Aww. And there's there's more evidence to that in a, a scene or so. Okay. So she freaks out because she sees these little things and runs back in and gets in her chair to go upstairs. And we see just as she's coming in that Stripe, I believe, was in there messing with, futzing with the wa- wires. That's what, that's what he likes to do. She gets in her chair and it launches her up the stairs at high speed, out a window, into the street in front of the cops that are driving by, killing her. Killing her dead. While the cops are stopped looking at her, uh, underneath the car, a gremlin is cutting their brakes. <gasps> Then a man comes out of a house dressed as Santa. He's got gremlins all over him. And he's like, stop them, help me, get them off me. And he's, they're killing him. Yeah. And the cops drive away scared. They let that man die. Awful. Uh, Quite awful. Yes. Meanwhile, Pete. Pete, the Pete, middle school kid? Yep. Yeah, is fighting gremlins off 
out his window. He's shooting slingshots at them. They're hanging on wires. He cuts the wires with uh, scissors and they oh, yeah. swing away. An electrical wire. Yeah, yeah, like a Christmas lights. It was a pretty bad idea yeah, to cut that idea. with the but all metal scissors. It worked out used. okay for Pete. Thankfully. Uh, a truck comes barreling out in front of the cop car and they swerve and they lose control because they got no brakes. Gremlins cut the brakes, baby. Cop car flips. Oh, no. Cops, dead. Die. And I'll tell you how we know they're dead in just a little bit. How? I'll tell you in a little bit. Oh, jeez. So Billy gets in his Volkswagen bug and it starts Miracle of Miracles. First time in the whole movie. Yep. He drives to the bar. And on the radio, Pete is trying Pete is trying to warn the town. But Rockin' Ricky Rialto thinks it's a prank. He's like, quit it with this War of the World stuff. It's right. not Halloween. Uh, now, Rand is on his way home mm-hmm. to town. And he uh, he's trying to get there. And he stops at a gas station to use the phone. And, of course, he doesn't get through. Uh, and he, he uh, has this kind of funny interaction with the um, gas station attendant. Yeah. Who... Uh, is smoking and he's like, "Oh, you're a smoker. I got this perfect invention for you." He's like, "Rand Peltzer, I make the impossible possible." Yeah, this is a Peltzer brand smokeless, smokeless ashtray. ashtray. Mm-hmm. Now sure at the bar, Dory's, the Gremlins are tearing it apart. They're eating popcorn and pretzels and beer, and, and uh, Kate is serving them the Kate whole time, is tr- doing her best to just not get killed by them. I guess so. And uh, there's a whole bunch of different types of Gremlins in there. They've like this is where they sort of start to express their personalities and the fact that maybe they killed people and chose their clothes for a reason. Yeah. Um, there's one gremlin that's hanging on the ceiling fan spinning around. I love that. Uh, some gremlins are playing the star Wars arcade game, that old vector graphics game. That's true. Some are playing pool. Uh, stripe is playing poker. Yeah. And he's got his little lady friend gremlin. Mm -hmm. And this is what I want to point out. She is wearing not just makeup. Nope. She is wearing Mrs. Deagle's wig, hat, and fur from earlier in the film, which is why we say you should pay attention to that earlier. She's a she's a, a Deagle imposter. Deagle imposter, and Stripe likes it. Loves it. Yeah. Deagle, Deagle, Deagle. Deagle, Deagle. So there's this one that I really love. Uh, he's like sort of this jazzy. He's got like a like almost like a bowler hat and sunglasses. He's wearing real dark clothes. Yeah. And and he you know most of them they don't speak English. They don't really speak anything intelligible. This one just has this like kind of deep voice, and he's just like, <laughs> and then uh, this all of a sudden you see this squirrel, this little fuzzy squirrel pops up. Is it a squirrel? I don't know, some type of puppet, some type of weird little puppet, little woodland creature puppet, and it's like, <laughs> and uh, and then another one. He's got one on the other hand too, the the, the goofy gremlin with the puppets. Yeah, and uh, the jazz one like snacks him, and you know. What that gremlin's name was? What's that? Jim Gremlin. That's not true. It might not be true. Yeah, it's not true. But it might be. Kate uh, eventually realizes that they don't like light. She, uh, she's she got one gremlin that's got like four cigarettes hanging in his mouth, and she goes yeah. to light a match, and it backs away from the match. And All she tries right. again, and keeps backing away. So she grabs a, like a Polaroid camera and takes its picture, and the flash knocks it down. There is a possibility that maybe she is killing them. With hmm. that light, and I'm not 100% sure. I would think it would, doesn't kill them because Gizmo didn't die from right, the flash. Right, Um But... Uh, I think it just kind of stuns them and scares them. Filmmakers said that she starts taking these gremlins out. Interesting. So, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure either, and it seems unlikely. 
So she ta- keeps taking pictures of the gremlins trying to get her way to the door. Yeah. And they keep falling down. And she gets to the door, and there's one, like, a ski mask. Oh, right. And uh, he's got a gun. And she tries to take his picture, and it she's out of flash. Oh, no. So she, like, kind of fakes right, fakes left, and then ducks, and it fires the gun. <gasps> and that's when these bright headlights pull up to the bar and make him fall down. He's like, Rah. Thank goodness. And it's Billy in his VW. Sweet. And he gets out, and he, he gets her and brings her to the car. Thank goodness. Somebody's got to bring her to the car. So they get back in the car, and the car won't start again. No. So like, we got to make a run for it. So they decide to do that, and they make it to the savings and loan. Sweet. Inside, Kate tells Billy the story of why she hates Christmas. Hates it. Do you want to tell the story? I'll tell a very brief version of the yeah. story. One day, when Kate was just a little girl, it was Christmas Eve. Yep. She and her mom were decorating the tree and waiting for dad to get home from work. They were getting dinner ready on the table and what have you, putting the finishing touches on the Christmas wrappings. Dad still wasn't home from work. Christmas Day rolled around. Dad wasn't home from work. They couldn't sleep. They couldn't bring themselves to eat. They were terribly worried. A few more days, she said she went over by the fireplace. It's cold. Because it was cold, she went to light a fire and she noticed a smell. Mm-hmm. A strange smell up high in the fireplace. And when the fireman came over and knocked open the chimney, there was her father, dressed as Santa Claus, his arms full of presents. He'd tried sliding down the chimney on Christmas Eve, broke his neck, which doesn't make any sense, and died instantly. I don't feel that impossible that he slipped and broke his neck like he got crunched in there. His chimneys are pretty tight areas. If he, if he went Chimneys this way, are such tight areas that most of them could not hold a human sure, being. Sure, fair enough. Also, if he was already down into the chimney, how did he move around enough to break his neck? Maybe one foot didn't... He, he lost, like he slid... And one foot went up, and his head went this way, as his body went that way. I don't Maybe. Know. I don't think it's that out, out of the realm of possibility. I think, if anything, he should have just been stuck in there and starved to death. Yeah, that's also sad. So You're telling me, man. So that's why Kate hates Christmas. Her, her speech is about 50 seconds long. It's not that long of a scene. It feels long. The studio adamantly wanted that scene cut from the film. Wow. And Joe Dante was like, no, you have to leave it in. It's important to me. It's like the only dramatic moment that Phoebe Cates gets That's in the true. whole film. It's important that you leave it in. It's important to the story. And he fought them and fought them and fought them. And they said, here's the deal. We're going to go to Steven. Oh. He's going to be the tiebreaker. Wow. Now, what Joe Dante didn't know was the studio was talking to Steven and saying, we've got to get him to cut it. We've got to get him to cut it. Yeah. So he had his meeting with Steven and Steven Spielberg said, here's the thing. It's not my favorite scene. Yeah. I don't really like the scene, but it's not my movie. It's your movie. So if you think it needs to be there, then it stays. Wow. Way to go Spielberg. Even after that, they kept lobbying to Steven Spielberg to get the movie, to get the scene cut from the film. Gee whiz. And so much to the point that they had arranged it upon the go ahead that the um, the different exi- exhibitions for the you know they send the the printout yeah they were ready to tell all the different places to c- literally cut the scene out of the film holy before it was shown to to moviegoers wow 
Yeah, I'm glad they didn't cut it. I think it's a great scene. Yeah, it's necessary. Yeah. So they uh, they emerge from the bank and the streets are empty except for car- cars that are on fire, basically. Uh oh. Um, and they realize that the gremlins must be gathering somewhere and probably all together. Nice. Probably somewhere dark because they don't like the light. Ooh. And they realize it's the movie theater. Yes. Which is now playing Snow White. Do you know why it's playing Snow White? Why is it playing Snow White? Snow White premiered at Christmas time when it came out. Oh, yeah? And it became a tradition for theaters to re-release Snow White at Christmas time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's why the Gremlins are watching that. When did that tradition end? You know, probably when there was... Probably like right after Gremlins. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing Snow White in theaters... Me too. ...as a kid in the 80s, but, you know, the advent of uh, VCRs probably did away with a lot of that Mm, re-release stuff. Maybe... And it's kind of like how it used to be that a movie would come out in the theater, and then in a year it would come out on VHS for rent, yeah. and then six months later it would come out to buy. Right. It'd be really expensive. It would cost you like 100 bucks to buy a movie. It's crazy. If, it, if you wanted it when it came out for rental. And that was like eight, six months to a year after right. the theatrical release. That was nuts. Those were some nutty days. Yeah. Now it's like they try to keep a movie in the theater, make as much money as they can on the first two weekends. And then release it as quickly as they can after that. Yeah. You know, a few months after. So times are a changing. You can say that again. So the gremlins figure out how to get the reel going, reel four. Yeah. The high host reel. And they sing along with this thing. And I am a big fan of the gremlins dancing and singing. It's funny. Hi ho. Yeah. Because they relate to the dwarves. And this is the scene where I where you get to learn that the sheriff is dead. Oh, yeah? How so? Because they're wearing the outfits of the people they've killed, and one is wearing the sheriff's hat. Oh, that's true, huh? We also see one wearing a fire helmet. Oh, yeah. To attack the fire department. Right. We also see one in uh, a surgical mask and cap. Oh, no. So they've attacked the hospital as well. (laughs) Or a veterinarian or something. (laughs) Something dangerous. Billy and Kate Why, gremlins? Why? They go backstage... And they create a gas leak. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, Stripe is like, hey, I need some candy. So he goes out to the lobby. He doesn't find any candy, really. So Which is weird. Why wouldn't he find candy? Like, I think they've already raided the candy. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, Billy and Kate light a rag on fire and run out as the reel ends. And the gremlins see their shadows. Good thinking. The screen. Real good thinking. And they thinking. start cutting through with their little claws and stuff. And... And uh, Billy and Kate get outside into the back alley and they jam something in front of the door and they run away and the theater explodes. I mean, it blows up. Big time. And of It's course, kind of a tragic waste of a movie theater. Stripe is across the street yep. in the candy, candy area of a department store and uh, sees this and is like, not happy. No. Uh, his girlfriend just got blown up. Downright vengeful. Yeah. And uh, they blew up some some vintage movie posters in that scene. Yeah. They blew up a lot of cool stuff. They actually blew up some actual uh, gremlins. Aw. In that scene. Why? Well, probably for the explosion effects. That's probably why. They follow Stripe into the department store. And the final fight is going to ensue. But not before Billy kisses Kate. Oh, yeah. And then Billy grabs a bat. Kate goes searching through the department store and she finds a control room and she just starts flipping switches. Crazy Kate. Trying to turn the lights on. Trying to turn the lights on, but she also does some negative things as well. That's true. She turns on a 
fountain. A fountain in the garden department. Correct. Now in the hardware section, Stripe attacks Billy with some saw blades. Yeah, he does. It's a really cool shot where a saw blade like shring hits yeah. like right next to Billy's head. You know how they did that? Yeah. They uh, pushed it through the backside oh. of the wall that he was leaning against. Yikes. Yeah, cool, huh? Scary. Because yeah, that thing it, went deep into that wall. I, mean, I think they probably know. Well, I mean, it went from the other, oh, other way. I, think I know, but I'm saying in the movie, it looks like oh, yeah. Stripe managed to embed that thing oh, yeah, well, halfway into the wall. Into the wall. It's pretty, pretty gnarly. Gizmo, meanwhile, takes off, leaves the control room to go and help Billy. Yeah, Billy's his friend. In the sports section, Stripe shoots baseballs out of a pitching machine oh, and yeah. knocks Billy to the floor. And he starts shooting uh, crossbow bolts at him. Oh, he hits him in the arm, too. Hits him in the arm. Shoots him right in the left bicep. Now, as Gizmo is looking around for a way to help, he notices that sunlight is creeping in through the shuttered windows. Yeah. The windows have, like, those little draw shades. So it's it's daylight. It's getting to be daylight. Um, Who shows up to help Billy? Who shows up to help Billy? Rand Peltzer. Well, that's not for a little bit. What? Yeah, it's not for a little bit. No, because he gets there. The dog jumps out and yeah. start. The dog runs into in the store. Kind of my notes and starts sneaking around. So, um, before that happens, Stripe shows up with a chainsaw, an electric chainsaw, and starts hacking away at Billy's bat. That's pretty scary. Um, outbursts Gizmo out of some cardboard in a pink electric Barbie car. Oh yeah. Uh, and he. And as he's driving, he hears the dialogue from the Clark Gable race car <laughs> movie, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Kate gets the lights on. Sweet. And it scares, you know, hurts uh, Stripe. And the chainsaw drags him away, and eventually it unplugs, him, it unplugs itself. But when he Thank looks goodness. up, he sees the fountain in the garden section. And he also looks oh, his no. other side and sees a gun. Oh, no. Rand drives into town. And he's hearing the chaos on the radio. Okay. And the DJ talks about how they're going to turn the hoses on those <gasps> creatures. Terrible idea. Yep. People just do stuff without any research. Terrible, terrible, terrible idea. So he, he kind of comes to a stop outside the department store, and Barney jumps out the car, leading Rand into the department store. All right. This is kind of the end of my notes on this. This is kind of the end of the movie. Um. So uh, the dog goes in and, and Gizmo like drives by and then all of a sudden he stops and comes back and he like kind of beeps at, at the dog. Yeah. He's like, doggy. And then he drives off. Yeah, doesn't he say, woof, woof? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh, Gizmo loves dogs. And so uh, Billy finds the garden department. Stripe is going to uh, sticks his finger in the fountain <gasps> and it's going to start to bubble and he points the gun at Billy and Gizmo comes off of a shovel like a ramp, flies up in the air Hits the draw shade, letting the sunlight in. Yeah. Killing Stripe like he melts. In That's like when, when uh, Rand comes in. And uh, Kate's already kind of already there now. Yeah. Um, and uh, they just watch this thing melt and fall into the, the water. It's pretty gross. And then after they recover the gizmo, uh, the skeleton <laughs> with the eyeball still in it pops, pops. out oh, of God. the fountain at Billy. Falls on the ground and continues to melt. Kind of deflates. Yeah, it's really gross. It's real gross, like but it's really cool looking because it looks like a fully solid s- yeah. skeleton. I but could then swear it's the like dog was going to eat some of it. It was gross. The bones just like deflate. Yeah, and then poor the dog gets way too close to that puddle yeah, of gross. Like, oh, gross. So so sick. They go home and watch the news, and in comes who? The 
old Chinese grandfather. And he's like, I told you you weren't responsible enough, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Blah, blah. And he takes Gizmo home. Yep. And it crushes me. It crushes my soul. That Billy crushes Billy. Gizmo. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, as he's walking out the door, he hears... And he's like, oh, he wants to say something to you. And he opens the box up, and he, he Gizmo gets up out of the box, and he goes, bye, baby. And it's really sad. And uh, and then they go away. Yeah. And walk off down the down the Sunrise Street. I don't think it is the Sunrise. I don't know. Because it's, it's, it's night again already. Lit. Yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe it's, it's sunset. Like, it's like already the sunset. back to the nighttime. Yeah. And then Rand comes in with a bit of a closing uh, narration. Yeah. So this... And he says, I'm Rand Peltzer. Get out of here. Get, go home. So this movie, to me, is kind of the anti It's a Wonderful Life film. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I was thinking about it. And it's not in a bad or negative way. I like It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great Christmas film, holiday film. Um but it's got so many of the same qualities as that classic film. Yeah. It's like if It's a Wonderful Life was darker and more fantastic yeah. than the events that happen, hmm. this this is maybe what you get out of it, right? Whoa. So think about it. You have this small town named Kingston Falls. Yeah. What's the town in uh, It's a Wonderful Life? George Baileyburg. Bedford Falls. Bedford Falls. You have an angry Scrooge-like person who owns the savings alone. Yeah. And you even have the movie house. That's true, huh? Yep. Darn it. You have this, like, same kind of message of self-worth and self-sacrifice and, uh, you know. You know what Gremlins doesn't have? What's that? Mary. It does not have Jimmy Stewart saying Mary over Mary. Uh. So that's, that's Gremlins. And it's a blast. If you're listening to this, you have watched Gremlins. And I hope you're enjoying it. I'm a big fan. Walt is having some sort of little spasm here. I've never seen him do that before. He's probably sleeping. Is he having a nightmare? Ah, he just dreams sometimes. Oh my gosh. The next movie. Yeah. A little film. A little Scandinavian film. Rare Exports. The rarest. And I think I'm going to see about looking if there's a Wikipedia or something. For All right. Well, I've got uh, pretty much the whole plot outline for what I was going for. for. Well, here's uh, Rare Exports. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I think it's a great idea for a movie. I'm also going to tell you right up front, I dozed off a lot while watching not. this movie. You did not. Either time I've seen it. And I, I salute you off. for that, because I dozed off a bunch of times. Now, it's not exactly the movie's fault. I doze off a lot, especially here when trying to watch movies, especially on movies that have a little bit of dialogue and then a whole lot of long, it's silent, definitely a movie about atmospheric moments, yeah. and then a little more dialogue and some plot moving along. Do you know why that is, though? Like, long, why that, those long atmospheric moments quiet, are Quiet atmospheric moments. Why? Because they are banking. The entire premise of the film is banking on you coming up with your own assumptions about what's going on. That's and they, fair. they let you think that one thing is happening. And they really everybody do. Everybody thinks the same thing. They give Nobody you plenty knows this ahead of, of time. time to think. If you say that you know what's happening in this film... Ahead of time, you're a liar. Yeah. 
It's just sort of. I mean, it's it's really really clear what you're supposed to think. Hmm. And there's not a really good reason to think about what it really is. Yeah. So if you're listening, you've watched Rare Exports. Yeah. So let's dive in. So yeah, so let's dive in. So we have this uh, this mountain. So I'm not going to lead it. Wow, lead it. I was buddy. trying to help. Wow. You, have, I, you were asleep. I turned her over, and you were asleep. I took a I took a page and one eighth of All notes. Right, go for it. Gee, Willikers. Sorry, I was trying to help. I was just trying to get the ball rolling. You won't even let me talk about this movie that I slept through. Go for it. So it starts off at this great big mountain. There are two guys speaking English mm-hmm. in an office on some sort of a job site. Remember the uh, the American's name? Was he American? I thought they were both British. Uh, they say that he has an American passport. Remember, they refer to him as the American. Oh, no. What was his name? Bunch. He doesn't Saint have Nicholas. an American accent, for what it's worth. Right. But uh, Brian Green. Brian Green. Yeah. And they show his passport later, and his uh, passport number is like the first whatever digits of pi. Oh, funny. Yeah. Pie. Like pumpkin pie. Just like. These guys are talking, and the one guy's saying, whoa, man, like we drilled into this mountain, and look what we found in this one core sample. And he dumps the sample out, and it's sawdust. It's pretty weird looking sawdust, but it's sawdust. Mm -hmm. And the boss man says, you know what this is? In times before electricity, if they wanted to keep something frozen, they would pack the ice in sawdust and he says however much of this great big mountain we're on is a great big basically frozen storage facility cheap drilling and then it cuts to outside the whole drill team is all kind of lined up awaiting and the boss gets up and he's he's like yo dudes check it out well they have new rules too yeah oh yeah that's right he hands them these cards yeah and he's like make sure every one of your men gets these new rules and it says yeah no spitting no swearing like keep smiling all these funny yeah. little things things which that make, uh, basically make them really nice yeah and he also points out he's been looking for this pretty much his whole life yep so he gets up and he does a big speech in front of the whole company of drill drill it's kind of a nice guys. speech actually <laughs> it's a pretty cool little speech it's got the beautiful backdrop of the mountains behind him it's absolutely beautiful yeah. and we see that there are two uh, pesky local kids watching from afar two little norwegians yeah and basically his speech adds up to gentlemen we have a grave to rob ha 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 and the little kids run away and they sneak out through a hole that they cut in the fence around the job site and they go on home. Well, by the way, they filmed this in Norway. They speak Finnish. Filmed in Norway, but they speak Finnish. Which I'm assuming they speak in Norway as well. Is I mean, I don't know. I don't know for sure either. I mean, I feel like I'm willing to bet all of Scandinavia is all pretty similar. I bet Finnish to Swedish probably isn't a huge difference. I'm sure. I bet it's. Not, I mean, you know, I bet it's not a huge difference. I'm sure there's plenty of a difference, but you get it. Yep. The kids run on home the next day. They wake up to discover that the uh, all of the reindeer, right, living in this, uh, basically the, their community is all raising reindeer, right? What's the harvest? The harvest? It's the, the reindeer harvest. Okay. So they, they refer to it as like this one time a year where they corral the reindeer. They're going to corral the reindeer. Mm-hmm. Keep them safe, most likely. I mean, I don't know how safe slaughtering is, but okay. All the reindeer have been pre-slaughtered. 
Pretty slaughtered. We see a pretty gnarly scene of just kind of a great big expanse. And the entire landscape is covered in slaughtered reindeer. So do you remember the days? The... At the very beginning, before we see the two men in the thing. Oh, right. 24, 24 days. days. And then. Then it jumps to like. One day, right? One day, it's yeah. The, so basically Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Yeah. I lost my pen. So on Christmas Eve, they find all these slaughtered reindeer. Yeah. It's pretty gross. And uh, they assume a wolf must have done it. And they go and they find the hole in the fence. Mm-hmm. And they're like, somebody clipped a hole in this fence. This is obviously where the wolf got in to slaughter the reindeer. Yeah. And the two little kids are like, oh, no. And the real little kid, uh, Piateri, is like, oh, no, they're going to be so mad when they find out that we've cut that hole in the fence. And the bigger kid, Yuso. Yuso? Or is it Josu? I don't remember. I think it's Yuso. I remember J-U-S-S-O. Okay. Yuso is like, if you tell them that we cut that hole in the fence, he's like, I'm going to punch you so hard your dog's going to bleed, dude. And what's even gross about that is that... Pieteri has a little pet dog, but it's just a little stuffed animal toy that he drags. Whoop. He almost pronounces it just woo like that, but it's it's spelled like uh or no, he pronounces it like woo, and it's I like think it's spelled right? I think it's spelled W U P P E or maybe V U P P E. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, he just pronounces it whoop. And uh so he's afraid because he doesn't want to get beaten up by the bigger kid. Yeah. Who's also like his only friend. Thanks for threatening your only friend with violence, big kid. J-U-U-S-O. That sounds correct. Two U's, one S. That's crazy. Oh. So now, basically the town's livelihood has been destroyed. They mentioned that they were going to make about 85000 bucks off of this reindeer harvest. And now all of that is out the window. Um, we learn about Piateri and his father... Who live together with no mom, and Pieteri's father is kind of Rauno. Rauno, that's his name. That's the dad's name. Rauno. He's kind of worried about Pieteri and how you know the the poor kid. Just a, there's not a lot for him to do around there. Mm-hmm. B, he no longer has a mom. C, they have no money to eat. They have no money to eat. The and- kid's dragging this toy around all over the place i was looking at the name did you explain how much money they lost because of the, the deer i thought they said eighty five thousand. i couldn't remember i didn't hear you say it because i was looking up a name so i just wanted to make sure oh okay so that's a lot of money for them to lose yeah you know when they're out, i mean that's like their livelihood yeah Ooh, they but when this harvest when we first meet piotari's dad what's yeah. his name rauno rauno he has dug a great big pit yeah and he is planting sharpened Spears, spears yeah. in the bottom of that pit, covering it. He hangs a decapitated uh, hog's head over it yeah. to attract predators. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing what do they call that? A deadfall, right? Sure. So he wants probably a wolf to come on over, try to get the hanging pig's head and fall down onto the spears. Yes, because we learn later that he's worried because he says wolf pits are illegal. Yeah. So it is. It is for wolves. Oh snap. Oh, snap. Well, he winds up finding something else. But not before. Pietari gets very worried because he's heard the speech by the man who owns the drilling company. Yes. And it sets him on a little research mission. Yeah. What is he researching? He's researching Santa. Ooh. And he learns all of these sort of legends of Santa. uh, Including, like, what happens to the naughty, the kids on the naughty list. Yeah. And... Also, 
um, why you have your Christmas lights on. Oh, yeah. Which they sort of allude to. They don't go into great detail about, but uh, he wakes up on the, you know the, the, that morning, the harvest morning, and he sees that the lights have been turned off. Oh. And he's like, Dad, did you turn the lights off? We have to leave the lights on. His dad's like, who's going to see him in the middle of the night? Yeah. But he knows it's like a way to ward off Santa. Yeah. Um, he also sees that there are footprints on the roof. Right. Uh, that his father did not make. Oh, no. So there's there's all this sort of Santa... Signage? Yeah. Things uh, pointing to Santa. There's a Santa trail all around his house. It's pretty messed up. Um, what happens then? Do, do, do they then discover what's in the deadfall? Well, a couple, a couple things happen. So Christmas Eve... Christmas Eve happens. Yuso goes over to their house. The dad puts, uh, makes some gingerbread cookies. Yes. And the kid's like, these are like mom used to make. It's like, mm. very sad. And the dad's like trying not to cry because he's without his wife and they lost their harvest. He's an eye going to provide for his kid. Yeah. Um, and uh, the kid tells, uh, what's his name? Pietri? Pietri. Pietri. Tells Yuso, um, he gives him some cardboard. He's like, tape this to your butt. Yeah. Because he knows that Santa could cane you. Yeah. And he's like, we haven't been good kids. We, we've been, we're on the naughty list because we cut that hole. And we're right. lying about it. Right. And Yusuf's like, you're an idiot. So. Yeah, we should also point out, Piatari at this point is basically walking around in like all of his like makeshift hockey gear. Yeah, a helmet. A helmet and, and pads, pads and, and all that to protect himself. And he's got a piece of cardboard taped around his yeah. butt. So. Um. The dad sends him to bed, and he goes to bed on Christmas Eve, st- kind of standing up. It's not standing up, sitting up at the window, waiting. Yeah. And uh, hoping to get a look at Santa. When he gets up in the morning, he goes <gasps> downstairs, and uh, they're eating the da- they eat, like burnt gingerbread men for gingerbread. breakfast. The, the pig got burned. Dad, oh like, right, out of the pig pig roast got burned, and he goes to put firewood into the fireplace oh and it explodes <gasps> and he's like pietari did you do this and it turns out there's a he put a uh, bear trap yeah you know, steel bear traps in the fireplace he's like that killed me you're grounded and the kid's like i'm gonna go pee and he goes outside to pee yeah and that's when he notices the pig's head is gone the pig head is gone and something must be in the deadfall so he calls for the dad and the dad <gasps> goes and he's like he sees uh, feathers in there, and he's like, go back inside. Yeah. Because there's something else in there besides feathers. A man. A man. A naked man. Naked man. Skewered by the spears of Christmas. A little bit, a little bit skewered. I'd say skewered. He's got to be skewered. It's like a side. They show, they show the wounds later. It's like oh, gross. Um, this isn't just a naked man. It's a naked man with a long white beard. Yeah, and it's safe to say he's an old man. Yep, an old naked man with a long white beard. Sound like anybody you know? He's very skinny, but he's been in prison for a long time. Yeah, encased. So uh, he takes him into this like little slaughterhouse thing. Right now, next approaches uh, Pierre Pier- Pieteri. No, not not the son. Oh, the pilot guy. The pilot. The friend. Yeah. Now when they go out to the harvest. They decide they're going to go on skidoos or snow snowmobiles. Yeah, uh, and they're like, "Well, why not the helicopter?" And he's like, "Oh, the helicopter's not running right now." Mm. Implying and and Piernanen, um 
wears aviator glasses. Oh, yeah. So we, we know early on that he's a pilot. It's important for later. Oh, sure. So uh, Piernan shows up. Now, he gets hired. We learned this through some dialogue with the kids, Yuso, that he gets hired by all the parents to come and give presents to Santa Claus every year. Yeah. And so he shows up um, and uh, he's talking to Rauno. And Rano's like, you got to see this. And they go in and they see this this, this old man. Right. Um, and try to figure out what to do with him. They sure do. And Piernan is dressed as Santa Claus at the time. Yes. Which is a lot of fun. Going to show up and give out presents. Why not, right? That's what yeah. you do. You're in a small, weird mountain town. Yeah. Play Santa. Is this when uh, the boy... Pieteri sees them dragging the body of the naked man through the snow, but with like, you know, it's, it's covered. It's in a bag yeah. or something. He, he sees that he goes and he climbs up to a window outside the, the kill shed. Yeah. And, uh, and he sees the person in there and he, he knows it's Santa or what he says it's Santa. He's like, Hey, that's Santa. And the dad's like, you shouldn't be here. You're grounded. Go inside. The kid runs away, right? Yeah, he does. But I think before he runs away, doesn't he start calling around to all the other kids? That's right. He does to see it, make sure. That, oh, he goes to the pit. He goes and looks in the pit. Oh. He finds something very disturbing in the pit. <gasps> That's right. He finds a weird, um, gosh, what would you even a call it? child. Sort of, yeah. like It's sort of like a weird wooden dummy, dummy of a child. Yeah. Which we don't understand exactly at first. It's terrifying. So then he starts calling around to see if people are home. Yeah. And no, that's not... after that's after Yuso's gone. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Yuso was crossed off the list. Oh, snap. So he, he runs away because he's like, this is, Santa's come to, like, I've been bad and Santa's going to get me. Oh, no. So he runs away. Um, the dad sees him get into a police car. And the dad's, like, super worried now. Wolf pits are illegal. And they got the body of an American in the... Yeah. Possibly dying body of an American. In Hopefully that. dying. Yeah. But it's not. But they could tell that he's breathing because they, they check that and whatnot. Yeah. So he follows in his truck to uh, Yuso's parents' house. Right. The guy that you thought looked like. Uh, he looks like the uh, the, the, the gold uh, prospector guy from one of the Rudolph movies with the red hat and the, yeah, and the, the reddish brown Imo, beard i think is this guy's name i sounds correct not the guy in the rudolph but in this yeah so um Imo's there and the police are there are going there because there's they're reporting that uh, some stuff has gone missing Ooh boy and at this house is the stove right Yes, a bunch of stoves have been stolen and, and a very expensive hair dryer. Expensive hair dryer. And then other people around town have been reporting uh, radiators just ripped out of the house. Right. Ripping out them radiators. And so Pietari decides, yeah. I'm going to go in and see Uso. And the guy says, yeah, he's asleep. Go wake him up, the lazy bones. And what does Pietari find in Uso's bedroom? Uso's bedroom. Wooden child. Wooden child in his bed. Yeah. Probably getting bugs he's around been, and everything. He's been replaced by a wooden child. By a wooden boy. So Reverse Pinocchio. Yeah. So uh, he goes down to tell them that he's missing and that there's this wooden doll in the bed. And they're like, what the heck? And the sheriff's like, ah, he's just out chasing girls. I bet he's not. No. 
And so, so then Pietari starts calling around and learning all of his friends are not home today. Correct. Mm-hmm. All his friends have disappeared. They've all been naughty. Um, well, hated now, that. Now, uh was kind of messing with the... Uh, the old white Santa guy. Yeah. Santa-like guy. Teasing him with ginger cookies and whatnot. And, uh... The guy they think is Brian Green bites him on the ear. Oh, that's right. So they arrive back to see him bleeding, and they're like, this is really weird, you gotta look at this. And they go in, and the guy's, like, huddled in a corner. Yeah, he's just all hunched in a corner, naked and old, with his long gray beard. And... Piernanen. Yeah. No, not Piernanen. Pietri? Pietari? Pietari. Not going to get it right. It's all right. I've seen this movie twice. Um, Pietari kind of sneaks in, even though it's not supposed to, and you see the uh, the old man start sniffing. Yeah. Like, smell some children. Yeah, he can smell it's that there's creepy. a boy on the naughty list in the room. That sentence alone makes me wish I'd not seen this movie. There's, a, there's sort of a reference to earlier in the film when uh, the kid is looking through the window and he starts sniffing and uh they're like what does he smell yeah he smells boy yeah so gross so then what so doesn't pietari go sense. into the room and now uh yeah, he's in the room and that's when he's that's when they realize that he's sniffing up now, yeah so now the creep is like up on his feet though yeah and he's sort of like very slowly pacing and it almost looks like any second now he's just going to lunge, lunge for Pietari. Yeah. Fortunately, there are three good guys with guns in the room. One of which is a translator, is acting as a translator. Uh, oh, Amo. yeah, that's right. Amo is the is speaking to him in English. Yeah. And he's furious because he found his replacement boy. And nobody wants to find that on Christmas morning. Right. So then, uh, gosh, how do they get from there to... Well, they decide... Putting him in the cage. They decide that um, he is Santa, and that's what they were digging for. Right. And they're like, this is the real Santa Claus. How much could... You know, maybe we could sell him back to the guy that was digging for him. Yeah. So uh, there's a radio in the Brian Green's pocket that the old man was wearing. And so they get on the radio, and they're like... We have your, we have the thing that you want. Mm. We want to sell them to you. So they they arrange a meeting. See how quickly we can tell the story. It's pretty quick. It's a pretty. It's short moving story. pretty fast because so much of the movie is no talking at all. That's true. <laughs> so uh, they go to this like big hangar, and a helicopter lands. It's nighttime now. Yeah, and there's this big hangar there, and everybody like you know they got the Santa in a cage, dressed up in the Santa outfit. He's in a cage and the old man who was leading the expedition gets out of the helicopter and they sort of hash out a deal. And they, uh, they're like, how much is, you know, they're talking to each other. How much is Santa, the real Santa worth? And they decide $85,000. That's how much they lost because of these people. Makes sense. They think it's these people. So they can sell the Santa back for 85,000. They're good to go. They'll be all right. Kiernan like, what about a million? And they're like, shut up. (laughs) So the guy, the old guy comes over to take a look at the Santa. They take him out of the back of the truck. Uh, Pietari, I got it right. You got it. Pietari gets out of the truck and he walks over to this giant hangar (laughs) and he says, the last door. Now, let's jump back a little bit. 
Um, the last door. Yeah, you probably fell asleep several times. So in That's the, what I do. In the film, um, we see him opening an advent calendar. Right. And when Yuso comes over on uh, Christmas Eve... He staples 24, the last door, shut. Oh. And so he gets to the hangar and he says, the last door. And then we see from behind him, it's this giant door that says 24. 24. Exactly. Nice. Which is also how many days it was till Christmas when the movie started. Right. So he goes into the hangar. Yeah. And then we go back out to the adults. And... The old man, the man who led the expedition, realizes this is not Santa. What? This is one of his helpers. And they're like, an elf. Oh, snap. And and that's when they see that there are other old men on the horizon and scattered around. All naked. All naked, armed with shovels and pickaxes and things. And And long white beards. Chunk. Pickaxe in the old man's head. Gross. Yeah, it's pretty gross. And he falls down and he dies. Oh, snap. Um, the, uh, the the adults, the three men, make a break for the door with 24. Door 24? They go into the, uh, the hangar. What's in there? And that's when they see the kid just staring up at this giant block of ice. Dare I say an ice monolith? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. It takes up most of the hangar. And it's got these giant curved horns coming Whoa. out of it. Very Krampusy. Oh yeah. And there are all the radiators and hair dryers and, and ovens all turned on, aimed at this big block of ice, and the kid's like, they're defrosting Santa. They're oh defrosting snap. Santa. That's the real Santa. <gasps> and so the old helper men decide yeah. they're gonna bust in and kill him. Uh they also see all of these sacks. Right. Now, we learned, among the other things that uh, were stolen... A bunch of potato sacks. A bunch of potato sacks from uh, Yusuf's father, Amos. Leaving the potatoes in the potato shed. Yes. Just the sacks. And we hear whimpering coming from the sacks, and that is when Amo realizes his son's there. He starts to take his son out, and, and Pitari's like, no, 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 no. Here's the plan. Like, everybody's freaking out, and he kind of... He fires his gun. That's what he does to get everybody's attention. Oh, yeah. A lot of kids with guns. In, well, two kids with guns in this yeah. movie. So always armed, I guess they, uh, he has this really cool idea. So they go, uh, Piernanen goes and gets the helicopter. Yeah. That old man's helicopter. And he flies in and hovers over the hangar. Right. And they get all of the kids still in their sacks into a big, like cargo net. Terribly dangerous. Attach idea. it to the helicopter. Yup. And then they fly that up out the skylight and away, leading all of the helpers, Santa's helpers, away. To where? Well, we'll, we'll come to that in a okay. second. The other two adults, Amo and Rano, yeah. start drilling holes in the ice <gasps> and placing dynamite in the holes. Oh, snap. They're going to blow up Santa? They're going to try. Oh, man. So they, uh, the helicopter flies away. The helpers follow. They stop every once in a while to make sure they're still coming. They are. They lead them to where the deer were supposed to be brought for the harvest. Where yeah. Where the deer normally they're... come themselves. Nice new electrified With corral. A new electrified fence. Yeah. That's true. Um, the, they hover over it and the, the helpers are coming. And that's when Pietari realizes the gate is closed. <gasps> 
and uh, Piernan's like, hey, we can't, I can't, I don't, there's nowhere for me to land. I can't do this. Uh, so we're going to have to come up with something else. And he's like, I got this. The kid is like, I got this. Yeah. And he holds out his arms and he just falls back off the, off the netting. Oh, snap. And he catches himself on some wires for the, the pen. Yeah. Gets him, he climbs down, opens the gate. Nice. Throws the electricity. He's like, the guy, Piernan's like, there's no coming back. And he's like, I know. Whoa. The kid knows that he's not coming back. Scary. So here come all of these hundreds of, uh, Santa's I think uh, little like helpers. 60 something. Yeah. Santa's, I think. Can't remember exactly, but I'll do the math. Uh, so they, all these, uh, Santa helpers show up and they're about to, you know, get in there with the kid and probably kill him. Yeah. And that's when the, we see that the two fathers have cut the horns off of this ice, giant ice sculpture thing. Loaded them up in the truck, and they're driving away, and they blow the hangar and blow Santa to bits. Whoa. They kill Santa Claus. And the helpers stop in their tracks inside the pen. They just don't know what to do anymore. Nice. So, and no, Pietari closes up the, the fence and waits. Uh, they take the, the helicopter takes the kids home, <gasps> and the dads, all they all show back up. I feel like they should have let the kids out of the sacks earlier rather than just flown them home in the sacks. Like, but you couldn't land there. That was the point. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, um, so they come back and, uh, they're like, well, what do we do with all these, these helpers? And they're like, well, how much is a Santa worth? And he was like $85,000. Yeah. So he, he, uh, has Yuso do the math. And Yuso's like, that's like $16 million. I think it was $16,800,000, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. was somewhere around the number he spit out. So they get to work, and we get the little title cards that we've been kind of getting prior to this, where it's like yeah. 312 days till Christmas. <laughs> and we see them, like, washing these men, these naked men off and scrubbing them and stuff. See a lot of wang. And then we see, and then we say, we see, like, 100 days till Christmas or whatever it is. And they're teaching these old men how to hold a child on their laps and give them a present. Yeah. And then, you know, like the dad and uh, Pietari are, they're like, he's stroking Pietari's face. Oh, and then it gets closer and closer and they're dressing them up. And, uh, then it's 24 days till Christmas. Yeah. And they, you see a dressed up Santa and then they close a crate and they staple like Zanzibar or something on it. Right. And, uh, and then they wheel it into, they're in this like big warehouse and all these crates with different labels for different places on it. Yeah. And they're, they're making their money, that's for sure. They're going to sell the elves as, as Santas. Various Santa Clauses. 85 grand a piece. Yeah. And what does it say on the crates? The name of the company? Yeah. Rare Exports. Ooh, and then there's a kind of really like burly santa yeah. logo on it which is actually seen at the very beginning of the film when they show the title of the film that oh, yeah? burly santa logo and it's the it's nice. uh it's like a little um like a, like a pentagram shape like a pen, pentagon yeah. um which is similar to the pen that they corral all of the santas in oh nice yeah there you have it rare exports that was that was the fastest we've ever done that was like you're probably right minutes and it was a really fun movie and i I wish i hadn't fallen asleep so many times but uh you know it's just what happened that day and uh i had fun watching it 
And I think it's a really great idea. I just could have used, you know, just a little bit more excitement. And now you had sort of pitched me on this being a horror. Yeah, I mean. A it's, horror. It's not a horror horror. And I would say it's, it's almost really more of like a mystery with just a yeah, couple maybe. of kills in it. You want me maybe. to hold the bucket uh, there while you have your iced tea? Sure. Uh, you know, it's it's there's sort of this older mentality to horror films like if you go back and you look at like uh you know movies from the 60s and stuff there were horror films that aren't really that horrific yeah there's just pieces of them you go back and watch rosemary's baby it's horrific but it's not i mean it's horrific by because there's like devil worshippers in it but nothing that horrific happens in the film i suppose that's true very few and far between um, so it's kind of a throwback. Yeah. Kind of House of the Devil is another really good one where it's all about atmosphere and it's all about setting up an expectation. Ooh. That was more of a horror than this, but um, I'll have to watch that maybe after the Christmas. Well, I season. would let you uh, pick first. Well, then in that case, you hold the bucket. Okay. Really dig in there. Do we mix them up? I mean, I shook it around. So this is going to be easy. for January. We're we are going to draw. We're going to wait about three to four weeks before we do another podcast. We're going to draw so you know what to watch over the next month. That was Rare Exports. I hope you guys liked it. Rare Exports. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. He's going to love this. Go for it. Oh, you already saw what I it is? I see what it was, yeah. It's blank. I get to pick. That's not true. Oh. It's on the other side. Oh, Casablanca. All right. All right. All right. It's a black and white one, and he's not great with black and white. Films. I don't have a good track record with staying awake during black and white movies. It's true. Oh, my. I don't think we can watch these two together. What is it? This might be the first time where I think we might have to redraw. What is it? Well, let's see what Desi's reaction is. She's sitting at the other end of the couch. You have to let me know. It's a small film called Premutos. Yeah, it's uh, considered to be one of the bloodiest horror films ever made. It's German. And I'm not sure that Casablanca, although German, it does take place during World War II, right? Um, Blarf. Premutos? Yeah. The Freshmaker? The bucket did tell us to do it. That's true. The whole point of this thing is we do it randomly. All right. That's going to be two completely different kinds of films. Uh, viewers might have a hard time getting Premutos, finding it. Ooh, uh, boy. It's dubbed. It's very fun to watch because it's funny. Yeah. Um, but it's also like really graphic uh, kind of zombie film from uh, Premutos from Germany our friends uh, Daniel Brand and uh, Chris Schmidt showed us that years ago and when we were doing our horror bucket I put that in there because I thought this will be fun for October yeah not really remembering that uh, my plan was always to dump the horror bucket in with this bucket Oh. So we're going to watch what is considered to be one of the greatest films of all time with yeah. one of the probably worst films of all time. Wow. Two, two very different ends of the spectrum here. Wow. So this is going to be... Premutos. I bet you stay awake during Premutos. Probably. I hope I stay awake during no Casablanca. Reading. It's just, it's uh, dubbed. It's so nonsensical and doesn't make, I mean, it's just... Could be worse. Could be Axum. <laughs> I think I'm familiar with Axum. Should we uh, say goodnight and happy holidays? I think you should. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for going on this journey with us this year. Um, it's been fun. We've been doing this since June or July, I think, and um, now we're at the end of our at the end of this year, yeah. 2015. And I've had a really good time. We have had two special guests. We've watched some really great movies. 
We watched yeah. uh, some movies that I was never, ever probably going to watch. Um, Sophie's Choice. I'm pretty sure that Dr. goes double for me. And uh, and I'm really glad that we've done this because it's opened my eyes to films that I was very closed off from. So All I, right. I appreciate everyone taking this journey with us. I appreciate you, Steve. I appreciate you, you, Wes. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Happy and, holidays. Happy holidays. We'll, uh, we'll post on our Twitter when we're coming back. We'll also... That's right. Maybe we'll do a little mini episode of something. You know me. I like to throw out a lot of teasers. So follow me on Twitter as Stephen Ohowood. Yeah. Follow Wes on Twitter as... At Movie Hippo. At Movie Hippo. Follow our show, View the Right Thing, on Twitter as... VTRT Movies. That's right. If you want, follow Blueprint Betty on Twitter. Yeah. Follow Jared Finn. We talked to him Jared not Finn. too He's, long ago. Yeah, we're and we're on his uh, his holiday episode of his channel, on his YouTube channel, so check that out. Follow We, we Are talk. Indie Horror, our other special guest yeah, this year. Uh, Neil King yeah. helped us out this year. So um, hopefully next, next 2016 we'll have lots of movies and lots of new opportunities for us. Oh, yeah. Perhaps um, some things outside of this house that Steve and I are going to maybe try and take part in word we got a little uh a little what picture expedition you and i gotta go do around hollywood still a picture expedition yeah we gotta get some photos done oh jc penny style jc penny style <laughs> glamour shots okay so thank you everybody for watching or and listening i guess i should say and now, uh, turn off your iphone and go spend some time with your family in a movie theater in a movie theater yeah <laughs> all right everybody happy uh, holidays happy holidays bon cinema <laughs>